Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1. We're doing a deal, a whole series on the book of Titus called the Cowboy Academy. And if you go read the short book, there's four chapters in, or three chapters in Titus. And if you go read it, you, 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 could, you could do so uh, while we're sitting here. It, it wouldn't take you long, but, but I urge you just to kind of follow along with, with where we're at. But, but uh, uh, Paul is talking to a guy named Titus. I know that's hard to believe, but that's why the book's called Titus. He's writing it to Titus. Titus is a church planner on the island of Crete. And so Paul is explaining to him how he's supposed to conduct himself, how he's supposed to uh, plant churches, and there's all this stuff. But man, everything in there is so poignant and so useful that we can all get something out of it. Some of the acid tests of a pure cowboy is this. Remember, Paul says, everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure. Can you labor on cheerfully without earthly reward? Everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure. A pure heart is one that can labor on cheerfully without earthly reward. I was also at the ranch roping last week, and it was my second roping that I had ever been to. And... uh, You know, Ty said something, I don't know if it was last year or two years ago, that showed me the pure character that, and I'm not, you know, where all of our characters are growing, but I really loved it when Ty said, and I think he told it to me last year, he said, you know, I was so busy helping some other people that they had to call my name twice and I had to go over there and cinch up my horse and, and, and ride over there so we, uh, you know, didn't nearly get disqualified because he was so busy. He said, I used to go to win. But now I go for the fellowship. Just to be able to say I rode with these people, just to have the opportunity to help, to learn. And he said, I don't even go to win anymore. And, you know, I, he basically won it all last year. And, and, and he did, I don't know that you can do much better than getting on first and second team, you know, last week. On my first team last week, uh, I got the opportunity to rope with a 12-year-old boy and a young man from Texas that was a lot like me. It was his very first ranch roping. He had never... Now, he, he, was, he was a solid hand, don't get me wrong. But it was his first time. He was learning. I was learning. And, and we learned a really valuable lesson on our first steer. Because we belly roped that thing like five times. Okay, and sometimes that's just how, how they go. And I mean, even after we belly roped it, if you didn't think that we couldn't make another mistake, I mean, th- this kid, he dallied up on it, and you're not supposed to dally on a belly rope. Now, if you don't know what that means, it, let me translate for a second. You're supposed to go rope it around its head, and you don't get extra points for roping the entire body. Okay, you should, because, you know, we, we would have won it then, you know. But, you know, the cow had, you know, we had it around the belly. And, and all advantage you have when you rope in a cow goes away when you belly rope it because now the cow's in charge. You're not. And so here's me, and, and, and I'm just learning, and, and a 12-year-old boy, and, and a guy with his, it was his very first ranch roping, and we've got it belly roped, and then guess what happens? The kid comes in there and throws a loop. It goes all the way over the cow, comes all the way off the cow, and now he's got one hind leg. 
So we've got ropes over ropes, and it's not a very big pin. And when I'm talking about ropes, I'm not talking about those little 30-footers y'all team ropers use. We use like 150-footers. Because that's how much rope was on, you know, hanging out out there. And so me and my new horse, you know, we're weaving in and I got it necked and we got the rope off. Then we had to take everything off and start over. And we still nearly got everything roped. But we didn't. You had rope two in 10 minutes and we got two roped in like 10 minutes, like 25 seconds. Something like that. So, you know what? Even though we knew we were out of it with that team, we were pretty proud of ourselves. When things go wrong... Does your happiness go with it? Because one of the acid tests of a pure cowboy is somebody that can labor on cheerfully without earthly reward. And, and I have to say that I learned something so valuable because uh, Miss Tracy that's sitting right here on the front row, she said, guys, y'all have like 30 seconds if you would like to try to rope the next one. I shook my head. Because I thought, okay, it took us nine and a half minutes to rope the first one. I'm not going to... I'm not going to torture the cow and, or the heifer and, and try to rope it again. And so I sat there and I shook my head. I was like, you know what, we're out of this one. Let's just take care of the cattle, leave it for somebody else. My two partners didn't even look at me. They went in there, roped it, and, and we still got it healed. Now, granted, we, did, we didn't get it done, but I had kind of given up, you know? And, and I learned something from that guy that it was his very first ranch roping and a 12-year-old kid because it was a 12-year-old kid that went in there and headed it. No, I, th I take that back. I think it was Luke because uh, uh, Coy went in there and healed it. And I, I, I just, I thought that was so great that even whenever I was ready to give up and make an excuse, oh, we're going to take care of the cows, they had no give up attitude. Can you labor on cheerfully without earthly reward? Will you keep going to do your job even when things aren't going right? When, when you belly, when, when, when life throws you or you throw a belly rope on a situation and you didn't make things better, you probably made things worse. What happens when you have a belly rope in life? Does it result in continuing on cheerfully or does it result in a belly ache? Because I think that's what most of us have a tendency to do. When things go wrong, we don't cheerfully keep going. We start bellyaching. We start complaining. But, but Paul says in, in Titus 1.15, everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure. You know what? I learned more on that team that was basically disqualified for the, from the rest of the competition. I think I learned more from that team right there than, than I did anything else. It was amazing. And when we walked out of there, I, I was so proud of my team. And, and a little bit, um, I, di I didn't hold it against myself, but I was a little disappointed in myself. Can you labor on cheerfully without earthly reward? You know, a cowboy that, that, that rides only for the reward, you're not going to cowboy long. I, I was talking to my buddy Hugh May and, yeah, I said, he's been to a lot of team ropings, and I said, hey, have you been winning any? He goes, oh, that's not why we rope. If we roped for just a win, we'd have gave up a long time ago. <laughs> and that's true. That is so true. In Philippians 3.8, Paul once again says, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of, the sur because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. And what he's saying there is, I don't care about any earthly reward as long as I know Christ. Everything is garbage when it compares to my life with Jesus Christ. See, that's what Paul is talking about when he says, everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure. 
The second thing, can you toil on hopefully, hopefully, without tangible returns? You know, on my last team, we went in there, and I, I basically had one shot at coming back in the short go, and it was with this team. It was with a lovely lady from Nebraska who I hope and pray I get the opportunity to rope with again, and that same 12-year-old boy. This isn't going to mean anything to 99% of you, but all the front row will understand what I'm fixing to say, is that we went in there, and on our second, on our second cow, I had to, or I headed, and I threw a really, really nice turnover that the crowd cheered, and well, that just makes you just stand up, you know, I was like, oh, I finally got a good one, and, and I, I threw a long hula hand, caught it, went up there, got short, just like everybody's taught me to, and I pulled it out just a little bit, just so it would stand quiet, and this 12-year-old boy comes in there, and he throws a Del Viento hip shot, and lands it. I was like, yes, not only that, we pulled it out, and, and our lady, I'm not going to mention her name, Miss Smith came in, and uh, threw the nicest front foot shot, and I mean, every, I mean, you don't see this in novice ropings very often. And I mean, the crowd is going crazy. Coy's dad is just going crazy. And, and we, were, we were on cloud nine. We came back number one in the short go. And all we had to do was head and heal a critter. And we win. We didn't get it done. We didn't get it done. But you know what? I'll never forget the lesson I learned from that. Because when they called time... At two and a half minutes in the novice, two minutes for open, two and a half minutes for novice. When Tracy said, I'm sorry guys, time is up, two and a half minutes. We had just lost the entire roping, we were the last team to rope. And that 12 year old boy came up to me and Miss Smith and said, I had the greatest pleasure of roping with both of y'all today. Thank you so much. Man, my heart just like leapt into my throat. That, that, you know, where, where we were sitting in first place and then to get, you know, like last nearly because we didn't get something accomplished, but we did. I think that we got even more accomplished because it wasn't earthly rewards that we received. It was something more than that. It was something of, of camaraderie. It was something about coming together, not in time, anybody can be happy whenever it's good, but it was just so amazing to be able to, to bond with two other people when we lost, not when we won. We got to celebrate after our, our first run, and we did, man. We gave high fives, and it was real cool, but you know what we did? We did the same thing whenever we lost. Can you toil on hopefully without tangible returns? Are you going to quit when things don't go your way? Because, because that, it, it's real easy to, to get down and, well, I, I quit and, you know, uh, you know I, I'm, just, I'm not going to do this anymore. This is, this is worthless. It's not giving any returns. You know, how often do we pray about something and, and, and nothing happens? And so we quit praying about it because we don't think that God hears us. But God does hear us. There are people in the Bible that said they prayed for 15 years before God answered a prayer. I'm lucky if I can make it one week sometimes without getting discouraged. We live in an instant gratification, but we're not on God's timetable. We have to learn to toil on hopefully without tangible return because it's not about what we get out of it. The beauty of a cowboy's work is missed in the seeking of tangible return. I mean, if you're out there on a ranch and, and you're roping so that people can see what a good roper you are, you have missed 
everything. You're not going to cowboy for long. When, when you go out there and you do something that you were supposed to do and nobody will ever know about it or even when you tell somebody about it later, they go, oh, that's, that's good. You're, you're not going to be in this thing for long, guys. Everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure. Can you labor on cheerfully without earthly reward? Can you toil on, hopefully, without tangible returns? You know, Jesus himself told a rich young man, one time he said, uh, this guy came up and he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus uh, told him a few things and he says, man, I, I've done all that. Look at me. Look at me. He didn't really say that, but that was the inclination. He's patting himself on the back. I've done all those since I was a child. Jesus said, one thing you still lack. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me, Matthew 9, 19, 21. Can you toil on, hopefully, without tangible returns? Are we doing this thing so that we will get an earthly reward? If you're after the reward, you're liable not to see it. You're liable not to see it. The third thing. First thing was, can you labor on cheerfully without earthly reward? We're talking about everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure. Can you labor on cheerfully without earthly reward? Can you toil on, hopefully, without tangible returns? How about this one? Now, you might want to pick your feet up a little bit, or I'm going to stand on this wood deal so I don't step on my own toes. Can you travel the road of frequent, frequent criticism without becoming bitter? Can you travel the road of frequent... frequent you try to say that. <laughs> Can you travel the road of getting criticized a lot without becoming bitter? There we go. You know, whenever we were leaving the ranch open last Saturday, Ty rode with me, Ty and Coy. And we were driving back, and we were talking about it. And I said, you know, honestly, I'm really happy with the way I roped today. And Ty said, well, that's good, but your healing needs a lot of work. <laughs> so I laid my hands on him at 60 miles an hour, and I healed him. No, not really. I didn't lay my hands on him. But you know what I said? I said, you know what, you're right. It does. E everything needs a lot of work it would have been real easy you know for me to take that as you know Ty kicking me whenever I was down but I didn't look at that I didn't look at it that way because you know a lot of times criticism honest criticism is the greatest love somebody can give not the withholding of love what is your reaction to criticism I'll be honest with you when Ty he didn't criticize me but he spoke critically and honestly of, of my roping. And he was exactly right. My healing does need a lot of work. You know what I did for about 10 hours this week? Practiced. Absolutely practiced. Because Ty was right. What happens when somebody comes up to you and tells you something that you may not want to hear, but what happens if they're right? How do you deal with it? See, Paul says everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure. Can you take that criticism or that critical remark and self-analyze yourself and say, you know what, you may be right. You don't have to tell anybody that. I'm not saying what your response should be verbally. Maybe you just need to say, well, let me think about that. And go home and think about that. And if they're right, do something about it. Because you want to know what happens? What happens nowadays is that people, you know, it, it, even if you are criticized and if they're right, well, that may be true, but who are you to judge me? You know what? If somebody's right, they're right. 
Quit making excuses. Does criticism make you better or bitter? What is your response to criticism? Can you travel the road of frequent criticism without bitterness? Because listen to this out of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23. Jesus did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. You want an example to follow? It ain't mine that you should follow. It's not ties you should follow. It's Jesus Christ. Jesus did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor did he threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. I wonder what would happen if we held ourselves to the highest standards and what would happen if we allowed others to hold us to high standards also. You would be opening yourself up to the road of frequent criticism. But could you do it without bitterness? Could you look at those people and say, you know what, they're loving me, they want me to be better. And if you were asked to hold somebody to that level of accountability, could you be held to that same accountability? Because a lot of people are really good about dishing it out, but not good at taking it. I'm not really good at taking it, I'll be quite honest with you, but I'm gonna start trying. I'd like you to go with me. You can call and complain to me. You can bellyache because you got belly roped and somebody dallied hard on you and you bawling around the pen. You can call me and I'll say, yeah, I know. Keep going. And the last thing, listen to this carefully. Can you lift and agonize and sacrifice and pray and give way down where nobody can see you while others lead the procession and receive the honors. In other words, are you willing to be the soil in which providential events may grow while others fill the places of leaves and blossoms on the trees of time? Do we want to be the leaves and the blossoms that everybody sees? Are we willing to be the soil, the nurture where we, where we plant seeds so that others may grow? We live in a look-at-me society. But Jesus tells us, don't tell them to look to you. Tell them to look to me. Can we point the way to him? Forsaking all glory and all honor, always passing it along. Are you willing to be soil in which providential events may grow while others fill the places of leaves and blossoms on the trees of time? You know what? Here's the skinny of it all. No one on this earth is going to give you a buckle for doing what is right. But God has the crown of life waiting on those that are pure cowboys of noble character and deeds. You're not going to get a buckle down here for being a good Christian. You're not going to get a buckle for dying to self. You're not going to get a buckle whenever you have the guts to start praying for things like humility, like patience, like saying, God help me to take criticism better so that I can grow in you and send others that love me enough to be honest with me. And let me love others enough to be honest with them and stand beside them while they grow and while I grow. That is what a church is. Can we have that here? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. But Paul also gives a warning to those that are not pure. He goes on to say, but nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving because their minds and consciousnesses are corrupted. Such people claim they know God, but they deny him by the way they live. They are detestable and disobedient, worthless for doing anything good. Whew. Pretty harsh words, Paul. But he's telling it like it is. But nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving because their minds and consciousnesses are corrupted. 
Such people claim they know God, but they deny him by the way they live. They are detestable and disobedient, worthless for doing anything good. See, sin corrupted the world. Sin corrupted the first caretakers. And sin corrupted their character. And it continues to corrupt even those that say they believe in God. True belief is not found in words spoken, but in the way a cowboy lives his life, and especially the way he lives his life when no one is watching. You know what the first three sins in the Bible were? First three sins, think about it. First sin, they disobeyed God. He told them they could do anything in the world, but don't eat the tree or the fruit off that tree. Why was the tree there in the first place? Because if it wasn't there, there was nothing that they could not do. Therefore, they had no choice. But God gave us free will, and he had to give us a choice. And he gave, he gave, them, he gave them a blank check except for one thing. And guess what they went and did? Same thing you would have done. Same thing that you have done. Same thing that I have done. We disobeyed God. That was the first sin. We did something that he said not to do. God gives us so much freedom in Christ, and then he says, just stay away from this thing. And what do we do? We go, the Bible says that we return to it like a dog returns to its vomit. And that's what we do. We disobey God. And the second thing that happened is we blame someone else. God said, where are y'all? And said, we were, we were naked and afraid, so we hid. And said, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree? And Adam said, uh, it was Eve disobeyed God number two blame someone else and then when he asked Eve what have you done she goes it was the serpent's fault boy isn't that a scenario that plays on and on in our lives we disobey God and then we blame someone else for it and then we make excuses that's why sin corrupts so bad Paul says everything is pure to those that have a pure heart God's cleansing power of being baptized when you come to know Christ, just like Ty talked about. God says, your sins I will remember no more. He cleanses us. He makes us pure. But sin corrupts. When we disobey God, you say you believe in God, then why don't you do what he says? You say you believe in God. Why don't you believe his promises? You say you believe in God. But why don't we all live the life that he has called us to live? One of joy, of happiness, one where we don't have to worry, where we don't have to be afraid, where we don't have to struggle. Where, why don't we believe in the one that said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, for I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Why don't we do that? Because we disobey God. And then we start blaming other people or other circumstances. And then we start making excuses. Same thing. Over and over and over. Will you strive to live a life of purity? Or do you want to continue on in one of corruption? Will your life resemble what you say you believe? Will people know that you are a follower of Christ by the way you live your life? Or by some words that you have spoken just because that's what we say around here? If we truly believe, then why don't we do what God says and follow his son, relying on his grace and his mercy, do, excuse me, doing good deeds, loving others, loving them enough to point it out whenever they're doing something wrong and being able to take it when somebody points out something that we do wrong and letting God be the judge. Can we be pure cowboys and cowgirls? Can we be of noble character? Because it is in our character our integrity 
It is in our courage, honesty, respect, integrity, strength, and trust that people will see God's light shining through us. Not our lights, God's. And if you're out for earthly rewards, you're in the wrong line of work, people. We will receive our reward, and our reward will be in heaven, and God will bless us along the way. But he blesses a pure heart. And in the words of the great singer-songwriter, Chris Ledoux, many of you will know exactly where this is headed. We don't see much on the big screen anymore. The kids don't ride along with Roy and Jean. And that ain't really him with all those feathers in his hat or some Frenchman's name embroidered on his jeans. You're singing along with it, aren't you? Well, he never learned a two-step. Hell, he barely learned to walk. But he's worn a lot of leather off the tree. He's had one or two good horses that he calls among his friends. He never drew a breath that wasn't free. Well, he's tall in the saddle and short on the cash. The last to quit and the first to buy the beer. Well, he's a knight in leather armor, still living by the code that's made him what he's been a hundred years. But he's still out there riding fences, still makes his living with his rope. As long as there's a sunset, he'll keep riding for the brand. You just can't see him from the road. As long as there's a sunset, he'll keep riding for the brand. You just can't see him from the road. Hey, thanks for joining us for another clinic. Before you ride off, we have a special gift for you. Save the Cowboy has a brand new app available for iPhones and Android smartphones and tablets. You never have to miss another message, and we've thrown even more stuff in. There's a Bible, our full unedited clinics, Cowboy devotionals, videos. You can even order our books or call and talk to me. That's a ton of stuff that will keep you riding right beside the Lord for years to come. Please download it by searching your app store for Save the Cowboy, and don't forget to lend us a hand if God has blessed you and you like what we're doing. Just text Save the Cowboy to 77977. That's Save the Cowboy to 77977. For Save the Cowboy, I'm Kevin Weatherby. Stay out of the wire.